Welcome to Energy Matters, where we explore alternative health in the Pioneer Valley. I'm your host, Caroline Rutterman, and I'm a Reiki professional and intuitive in Northampton, Massachusetts. For the past nine years, I've been teaching people how to use their intuition and helping them reduce stress and anxiety. Together, we'll talk with other practitioners and learn how they bring health and healing to the Pioneer Valley. Let's do this. Hey, welcome, welcome, everyone. You are listening to Energy Matters, and we are here today. We have a very exciting show. We are interviewing Leslie Chasen with the People's Medicine Project, People's Medicine Clinic, and we also have um, a another client who is here to talk about his experience with the People's Medicine Clinic as well. So welcome, Peter, and welcome, Leslie Chasen. Thank, Thank you. you so much. So tell us a little bit, Leslie, what, um, what is the People's Medicine Clinic? I know, I know that you're up in Greenfield. Mm-hmm. Um, give us a little overview about what, what you guys are doing up there. Sure. Um, well, you, you did have it right the first time. It is the People's Medicine Project. That's what I um, thought. And yeah. then I saw this flyer <laughs> and I said clinic and I switched up midway. Yeah. The clinic is part of the project, but the overall project um, we say we're a health justice organization that works to increase access to alternative health care in the Valley, primarily Franklin County, but um, we are interested in expanding to other parts of the Valley. Um, what, what is health justice? <clears throat> well, we are, we're specifically interested in looking at health disparity, which it's, it's like a public health term, um, which talks about essentially health outcomes differences and a lot of times those are based on systems of oppression so um, racial socioeconomic gender oppression and how those play into um, health differences and um, yeah so we are interested in addressing health disparity in our work and building bridges so that we can make more access to things that we believe support wellness for people. Cool. What are some of the health uh, disparities that you notice in Greenfield? Because mm-hmm. that's, that's predominantly the area. Is it the whole county that you serve or just is it central to Greenfield? Well, we work out of Greenfield um, and a lot of the agencies that we collaborate with are Greenfield based and county based, but um, anyone can use use our services or participate in our programs. Very cool. Um, We have a fiscal sponsor, which is the Western Mass Training Consortium, and they're in Holyoke. Um, So, yeah, it is. We have have a bigger, we have an eye on the bigger part of the valley. Cool. Um, But in terms of, you had asked me about the health disparities. Um, Well, we started the project because we saw you know, we see our region um, as very, very abundant with health resources mm-hmm. that, that, that we personally, the people who started it, value, which I think the farms and the access to or, or just organic or local food and fresh food is a very obvious one. It's beautiful up there. You guys have so mm-hmm. much. It's like the mountains and the farms. And mm-hmm. yeah, it is really, there's some good earth up there. Yeah. Um, that's an example, but we also have a lot of a lot of other wellness resources like alternative healthcare practitioners, and um, so the disparity comes in where all those goodies are really just affordable and accessible to um, to a select demographic, and we are. So we started the project because we were interested in building the bridges to make those those things that we value um, for our own wellness accessible. Um, and when you say a select demographic, that means that it's people that can basically pay out of pocket for um, for Reiki or acupuncture, mm-hmm. herbal medicine. So because it's, I mean, most practitioners don't independent practitioners and alternative healthcare practitioners don't take insurance. So. Right assuming that it'd be people um, in that area that were just able to afford their services. I mean, I think the biggest and most obvious one is socioeconomic um, uh, capacity, but access is other things too. Um, And we're, we're, 
we like to look into the question of like what does access mean and what is wellness and things like that. So, um, yeah. So when when we're talking about um, when we're talking about access, when that being another health disparity, is it hard for people to to get? into Greenfield to get these services or like what where is the access I'm just trying to understand a little bit more about you know some of these socioeconomic terms that you're kind of uh, that you talk about just so our, our listeners mm-hmm. have a really um, just, yeah just basic understanding about what what is that what does that mean where's the disparity with with access um, well I think the financial is the most obvious one and that's really the one that we focus on because we are interested in I mean that's one of the questions we we ask to people when they're wanting to come to the clinic is, you know, could you otherwise afford these services? So that's really the one that we focus on. Um, yeah. Very cool. Of course, transportation is included. In it, oh, that's a really nice service as well. Oh, no, I'm sorry. We, oh, that's <laughs> we not part of the service. Transportation, okay. but, <laughs> but getting, getting, to getting there, there is also obviously yeah. an, an access issue as Definitely. well. Yeah. Fabulous. So how did, um, how did you and Peter meet? How, how did, how did, cause you guys seem like you have a good, um, a good rapport when you're coming in. It seemed like, uh, because Peter, you're, you're a client from the people's mm-hmm. medicine project. Um, but, um, tell us a little bit about, um, about your experience with the people's medicine, uh, project. How did you, when did you first, uh, start working, um, with, with, uh, with this organization? Uh, so we were, we were actually talking about this on the way up here. I actually think I, met uh, Leslie four or five years ago when she started the clinic uh, or they started the clinic at the the back building of the Recover Project um, on Federal Street in Greenfield and I was doing a service there I was you know helping people or helping myself and you know I never engaged in the services until uh, about six or seven months ago um, myself because uh, you know I'm, I became a person in need uh, you know and didn't have the affordability to to do these things I've done them in the past but and you know never really felt comfortable with myself to ask and was not in a very good place um, mm-hmm. you know to feel like I was committed what was it what was the hard part about asking humility I think, or, you know, um, so I, I'm a person in recovery from alcoholism. Um, and I got sober in 1989 originally. And, um, and then I, I relapsed after multiple years in recovery and, you know, it was a very rough road. It's been a very rough road in relapse. And, uh, I ended up in jail incarcerated this last summer and, uh, for an OUI. And, you know, I think my experience in jail led me to, to a, a very interesting place, a very good place. And um, when I was released, um, I, I something was released in me that made me feel like it was okay to ask for the extra help I felt I needed mm. um, to to nurture myself and to, to, to take what I felt like I deserved at that point that I don't think that I ever felt I deserved. Wow. That's really powerful. What kind of services were you? Did you start asking for? Because you guys have at the People's Medicine Project, you have a range of stuff there. I know you you have the gardens that where you mm-hmm. grow herbs and you create herbal medicine. Mm-hmm. And give us a quick overview about sure. what what you what kind of services you have yeah. there. Um, <clears throat> right now, we have three main projects um, or um, things, yeah, programs that we do. The first is the People's Medicine Clinic, which is a free alternative healthcare clinic, and we run every Monday out of the out of the uh, Recover Project. Um, at the clinic, we offer free massage, acupuncture, Reiki, homeopathy, craniosacral therapy, and one-on-one sort of therapeutic yoga sessions. And I might be missing something, but I think that I think I got them all. That's a pretty wide range of <laughs> mm-hmm. services, and these are all volunteers, right? These mm-hmm. are all people that are are value what you guys are doing as a mission. Yes. So we have twelve practitioner volunteer practitioners, and they come in on a rotating basis. So any one practitioner probably. You know, they might come three times a month or one time a month. They decide what what kind of schedule, what kind of capacity they have. And then so we'll have we'll have we have a large space. And in that space, we have it divided into partition with partitions into sections. And we'll have three or four clinicians working at once in the larger space. 
Um, so you might have like a little yoga over here mm-hmm. and then somebody's getting Reiki mm-hmm. and then kind of a mishmash of mm-hmm. what the schedule looks like on that day. Right. Neat. Yep. Um, and some of the practitioners, they love that sense of community because a lot of people work in isolation. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and I know all about that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I have my radio show. I love getting to know what else, what people are doing out there. Right. Yeah. The other thing I think that draws the practitioners is that a lot of them have had this question in their lives work, which is, am I really, is my work really going to be about providing services for, you know, this particular demographic of people that can afford this, you know, afford these services. And, they all have, you know, sort of social justice inclinations and they feel really, really happy and really like they found their place to give um, in, I think, in this project. And I think I hear from them that that participating in the project makes it really easy because we um, we do all the scheduling and, you know, we set up the whole structure so they just can come in and do their thing. It's managed nicely. It's managed well. And so they feel like they're able to flow into a situation and, and offer something. And so they, I think they really like that. Um, so that's, that's people's medicine clinic. Um, and then, well, uh, Peter, how many of those 12 practitioners have you gotten a chance to um, experience their uh, work? I, I want to interject something that she said that's kind of fascinating because uh, a lot of what they talk about in addiction recovery now is that the opposite of addiction is connection. And the opposite uh, of, of addiction, addiction is connection. Is connection. Okay. And, um, and the fact that a lot of these uh, practitioners work in isolation or, mm-hmm. I- you know, this is a place where people connect and people thrive and get, you know, excited about, mm-hmm. you know, seeing their the practitioner that they're particularly fond of or meeting new ones so i originally just you know talked to leslie and somehow we befriended each other and then when i started i started with acupuncture uh with a woman named kathy and it was just so amazing uh you know it just felt good and and then i uh worked with aviva and um and she's an herbalist and they made me this drink that i drink every day and i have been for four or five months i what's in that drink? well they, they call it a nutritive tea i believe but i call it restorative okay. uh, for myself because it somehow it's restored me i believe that it's a it's part of it's a very significant part of my um day and my you know my practice towards my wellness but it's got hawthorn uh, berry hawthorn leaf and Root or flower, flower um, meadow, sweet, cinnamon, cinnamon, um, uh, oat, oat tops, and uh, no, nettles. nettles. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like a very yeah. nutritive, restorative yeah. drink. I make a cord every night, let it steep, and I drink it, you know, throughout the day or in the morning the next day. And those herbs are. What, did you do like an herbal consultation yep, with Aviva? Um, so I met with her, and I think then I think she consults with Leslie, I believe, and or together they create you know something that might work. So I was suffering from um, when I had gotten out of jail, I could barely walk. I was uh, in my um, I had been diagnosed with calcium deposits, and um, they were like wanted to do surgery and all this stuff, and I was like, you know, wait, no. So I started you know on my own little path. I'm like, well, I'm going to fix this and. Uh, as a good addict does, right? And uh, I started drinking like turmeric and cinnamon and apple cider, and you know that kind of opened that. And then I met with you know Leslie and the folks there for acupuncture and uh, the, um, the the drink, and and got on a path of you know further acupuncture and you know body work and you know going to the gym and you're know. just all like I'm all in. in I'm in it point. to win it. Yeah. yeah. So and you know I really do attribute you know the opening to you know my health. Uh, you know, it's so body. You know, the disease of addiction is body, mind, and soul, and I take it very seriously that I have to nurture all those parts. Yeah. And, you know, Leslie and the clinic and the people that work with her, you know, just kind of opened me to that whole, you know, world. So, so Leslie, it sounds like the the Aviva, the herbalist, one of the herbalists that are mm-hmm. there. You're also an herbalist, correct? Mm-hmm. How much, what's the collaboration when you're putting an herbal concoction together? Um, what what does that process look like as you're starting to fold in herbs for different people? 
and this this probably speaks to also the other part of your project is that you have a huge garden where you grow mm-hmm. all of these medicines right right mm-hmm. there. I mean, it's not right there, but it's right down the street. Mm-hmm. So, um, I guess I I guess that question was not a full question, but it was more of a tell me about the garden. Tell me about mm-hmm. how the, these herbs are folded into mm-hmm. people's treatments. Sure. Um, well, I I. I run the apo- or I have the apothecary in my house, I should say. So um, I am the person that makes the makes the plant into the formula or into the tea. With a mastermind, um, yeah. Aviva comes every Thursday and works with me. So the two of us um, work together on that. But and we also consult each other when we have questions or um, yeah, we work together. Well, let me let me back well, up a step. Yeah, let's. How do Peter was talking about how this tonic for him mm-hmm. nurtures, or all these kind of practices that he's building in mm-hmm. nurtures his body, mind, and soul. Mm-hmm. How do the herbs, this herb, this particular herbal concoction, how does that help him? In theory, in the like herbal kind of lens how mm-hmm. would the hawthorn belly a uh, hawthorn bar- berry the nettles the the oat straw all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. how how does that support um somebody who's who's healing mm-hmm. well i i'm not a viva and i i haven't talked to peter specifically about his health okay um but i mean when i see what's in that formula the hawthorn um calming and you know it's a very heart oriented plant um and the nettles are just so incredibly nourishing and the oats are so nourishing for the nervous system um so i think those are really the base note in that formula and i know the cinnamon and the i I think the meadow sweet would speak to like a digestion thing Mm -hmm. um as i remember but um, I think the base note of that is just that nourishment and that just kind of holding holding the the heart aspect and the nourishment aspect as like the real base note there, yeah. So I just, I wanted to interject because I don't know if Leslie knows this part, but when I was in jail, Kate Spade and um, Anthony Bourdain had committed suicide. They were in their late 50s and mm-hmm. 60s, and um, which I am, and they were on a lot of medication for depression and anxiety and, and all that stuff, which I was. And when I had learned of their, you know, their passing their suicide and the amount of depression in people my age i decided in jail that i was going to go off all my medication Mm. because i had no idea if it was working because i'd been relapsing for so much and for so long and um when i got out of jail you know i had anxiety of course and i had all that stuff and Mm -hmm. that was one of the things that i talked to aviva about Mm -hmm. um so i am officially off all um psychiatric medication i take one medication for my barrett's esophagus um and I have so much less things. I have so much more joy. Uh, and that's my story. That's my journey. I believe in whatever one needs to do for their journey is what they need to do. But I discovered that when I was 10 years sober and and had this huge company and was riddled with anxiety and depression, I went to psychiatric medicine as opposed to going back to meetings, taking care of and nurturing myself. And I eventually just went off the deep end. And I'm not blaming the drugs. Uh, you know, I could have gone different ways. But... I don't think that that was my, you know, path. And, you know, it doesn't mean I don't have anxiety. I'm having it right now. Yeah, uh, and I know. Uh, it's, because it's, I'm talking to this yeah. big green Kermit. And um, <laughs> it, what she said about the nettles and the meadow sweet, I think, is that, uh, is that it's very, you know, I just, I'm calm. I'm co- comparatively, you know, and this is all, you know, compared to uh, what I was like. But, you know, to be honest, I've never felt such, you know, amazing freedom in my mm. body and if it took me 59 years to you know feel this good i'm grateful for it any it, there's nothing but the present moment that's yep, all that's we're all working we with everything else is past the future's not here yet yep. so go ahead yeah well go ahead. i i wanted to say something too because a little bit off topic but that peter did participate in another one of our programs in addition to the clinic okay. which is um which is our acupuncture access program. Okay. Um, And what we had found several years, or I guess two years ago, was um, that people in very, very early recovery were not 
able to get as, as many appointments as we wanted to give them. So for acupuncture, you could maybe get in once a month or at the most twice a month. Um, and we knew that people in very early recovery release a few times a week would be what, what support you through the process of having cravings and the readjustment to not being on a substance. You really needed it much more frequently than we could provide. And so we started a relationship with Greenfield Community Acupuncture and the people there, Ben Walker and Emily Hildebrand, um, were really, really excited about, um, about partnering with us. And so we have a program where we, we essentially get the funding and do referrals to them and people in early recovery because we talked to people because we're in that community. We've, we are able to refer them to Greenfield Community Acupuncture for essentially unlimited acupuncture during their early recovery. Mm-hmm. And then our project pays it out. Yeah. And early recovery meaning, is that like the first three months? Is it the first three years? What's, what is early recovery in your kind of uh, lens? So I think that's up to the individual. You know, I mean, some people think it's the first 10 years. Some people think it's the first five years. Some people think it's a month. It depends on who you are. I mean, you know, when I... I had multiple years of sobriety, and in hindsight, I you know like I've never had sobriety like this. So I you know I, I like to keep well, it. Joy. I'd like to, it, it is, but yeah. I'd like to keep it green. So I'm going to consider myself in early recovery at least for mm. another few years. But I think that, that that that's a complicated place for some people. You know, well I'm three years sober. You know, well that doesn't mean you necessarily aren't still in early recovery because it's about your path at your time. Mm. You know, yeah, I mean. When we initially conceived of the acupuncture access program, we were looking at um, opioids in particular because I'm sure people know like the opioid issue in Greenfield is is a big one and the opioid task force is very active there. Um, and so it was initially about early opioid recovery um, and we were conceiving it to be the first few months of recovery to get this kind of care. But we just found like, we just didn't want to say no to people who were like, I need this. I'm an early recovery. And we didn't want to limit people to opioids or any particular substance. So we opened it up. Very Which cool. is great because I also think that people are very nervous and shy and reserved and in, in very, very early sobriety, if not, you know, longer. And that, you know, it's taken me, I've known Leslie five years, it's taken me, you know, and I've had moments of sobriety in that period, but it's not, I've never taken advantage of it, you know, because yeah. of being. And Somewhat like you, bashful. Yeah. And like you said, it's like whether it's being bashful or it's the humility aspect mm-hmm. or asking for help is not always an easy thing for people to do. So, you know, I think that's really cool that you have a flexible flexibility around what what's considered early recovery or, you know, wherever people identify as their own early recovery. Here today talking to the People's Medicine Project um, with Leslie Chasen, who is one of the founding members, and also a client who is um, using services and enjoying the the People's Medicine Clinic and all the the kind of lovely goodies that this uh, this project has has to offer. Um, so welcome back, Peter and Leslie. Thank Hi. you. So um, we. We left off, so kind of understanding the People's Medicine Project, you guys are sort of a three-pronged organization right now. You have the, the gardens where you grow the medicines, where people can also work and volunteer in exchange for services. You have the, or maybe that's not fully true, that people can just volunteer there or, okay, we'll talk more about that. So there's the gardens, there's the People's Medicine Clinic where people can receive direct treatment. And then there's also the um, the the opioid acupuncture clinic. No, wait, it's called acupuncture access program. Yeah, acupuncture access program. Right. I know it was. I know the the <laughs> lingo. I knew what was was going on in my head, but I didn't have the yeah. lingo yet. Um. So, but it all started with the gardens. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about um about how the the gardens got started and and what that what that time was like for you guys? That must have been very exciting. It was exciting, and we didn't know where it was going to go. Um, so at the time, the Just Roots community farm up in Greenfield was just getting going, and um, we decided to 
use some plots there. So it was in a sort of central space in Greenfield, and we planted... We used four of their community plots and planted a lot of medicinal plants that first year. Um, What kind of stuff did you plant for the medicinal? Do you remember? Yeah. I mean, we still have a lot of similar things in the garden. Our our idea was to um, plant things that were easy to grow, sort of common. People may have heard of them. Tasty and safe Mm. um, because we really wanted... We wanted people to be able to confidently use the plants in their lives and with their families. Um, We feel like the garden is a really important aspect of the access and the empowerment piece um, because we felt that, you know, knowing about healing plants in our own lives had been so beneficial and just so empowering. And we knew, yeah, we just knew how powerful it was to have that connection to plants and that information. And we wanted, we wanted to make that available to others who, who wanted that too, or might not even, might not even know they had an inclination in that direction, but that, that could, could find a connection in plants that mm-hmm. really, really made them feel good and connected. And there's something about putting your fingers in the earth mm-hmm. and you're just going barefoot and digging yeah. in there. It's, there's, there's nothing like it. Yeah, we felt for a few of the clients over the years, I feel that the garden has been the most healing aspect of the project for them. Mm. Um, a couple of the people are and have or or were clients, and but I feel like they really they really found something in the garden. So um, yeah, it's it can be a very healing place for certain people. So people who use the clinic whether it's the the um the access clinic or the, um or just the, you know the multi-practitioner space you don't ha- you don't have to do anything Requi- there's no volunteer requirements there's no money you can just come in and use it the garden is available to kind of provide the medicine space mm-hmm. for all of that to happen mm-hmm. yeah there's no requirement to participate in any of the aspects of the project at all um, and the garden is just there for the joy of it. And um, also, yes, we do make medicine from the garden for the project's apothecary. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Do you, um, so who who tends the garden? Because is mm-hmm. it like a big, do you have a, how, what's the space look like? Well, it's, now it's three plots in the the Greenfield community community farm um, at Just Roots and um, we have a lot of perennials in there and we have a so I think it's gosh are those plots 20 by 20 mm-hmm. so I think we have three 20 by 20 plots okay you got some that's uh, some some things are growing yeah yeah um, um, do you dry all those herbs I know you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier that you have that space in your house where you kind of prepare everything do you mm-hmm. do all the drying and and tincturing and all that. Yes. All yes. That we Sometimes we do it on site. So if we have a group out at the garden for the day, you know, we do a lot of the processing there. We might even make a glycerite in the garden just so mm. people can see what that's like. Um, we might do some stripping of the plant material in the garden. So and, and at home, I have a big dehydrator and I have I have the the gear, the tincture press and the gear to to make the apothecary happen, but professional um, herbalists here, <laughs> yeah, you know what's up. Yeah, that's nice. Um, yeah. So, um, do you? How many people currently manage the guard? Are you guys, and it's all volunteers? So, are you? Do you guys need more hands coming up this this spring as we're starting to enter? And I'm sure people are starting to think about what they're wanting to plant and. Um, Mm-hmm. So do, do you guys yeah. tell me a little bit about that? Well, I have been really, really wanting to um, be able to fund a coordinate garden coordinator position um, because, yes, every year the garden coordination has been done by volunteers, including me, um, but usually me and another person. Um, and I feel like it's at the point where it had, if it had some consistency over the years, um, that it could just like, it it could be used more and have it. I think it has so much potential and I would love to see it really, you know, take off and, um, 
and and realize that potential. So right now it is run by volunteers. I have a great volunteer this year who's who's on the team named Dorothea who just moved back from California and um she is committing to being out there once a week for a few hours for thr- throughout the season. Yeah. That's a significant amount of time, you yeah. know, to really somebody somebody loves being there to mm-hmm. do that. They're really right. committed to you. Yeah, and then we are interested if anyone out there is listening and likes to garden, we are now looking for our garden crew for this season. So, what does the garden crew have to do? The garden crew just comes as much as they can on to the work days and participates. The work days are pretty chill though. Like usually we just work if depending on how many people show up, we can get away with working for an hour, hour and a half. And then a lot of times I'll do like a mini, some kind of a workshop or something, or just show people how to make something or talk about a different plant or, you know, yeah, I, I like to incorporate some learning in that. I think that's how I actually connected with you guys. This might have been, so I moved to this area about five, four or five years ago, and there was a workshop that I had seen on meetup.com. And yeah, they kind of gave us a little garden walkthrough and talked to us about mm-hmm. healing things within the plants. And um, I, I loved it. And if I, I live in Holyoke, so it was a little bit too far for mm-hmm. me at that time to do that commute. But I, I mean, the space was gorgeous. It was just surrounded by so much love. Like mm-hmm. that, that field that that garden is in is just, it's buoyant. And the, the energy there is, is really, it's really great. So mm-hmm. that's how I found you guys initially mm-hmm. was through that garden and through those little workshops that you did. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, and they were very well attended. Mm-hmm. You know, we were, we were all learning. Good. Glad. Yeah, the, the Just Roots is a really... I feel like you said mm. it's a very positive space and there's a lot of good good happening there. So if anyone listening out there is thinking about how they can work with, uh, you know, healing in some capacity within the greenfield space, you know, we're, we're, you guys are looking for uh, some, some funding to help coordinate that, um, that volunteer garden coordinator. Mm. So yeah, and we're also looking for people who want to volunteer and to volunteers. be on the garden crew. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And how how would people find you or contact you if they are interested in doing something like well, that? Well, we have um, our we do have a website, which is the whole project, which is peoplesmedicineproject.com. dot com, and um, we do have a Gmail account for just the garden. Um, and that's peoplesmedicinegarden at gmail.com. If people are interested in talking to us about services, clinic services, we have the people, just peoplesmedicineclinic at gmail.com. So you can type in any of those keywords yes. and be able to access <laughs> you guys. You have a really nice online presence mm-hmm. and it's, it's very easy to, to see what you guys are doing. Good. Yeah. And, you know, there, there was something on your website that you had mentioned about, you know, this quote that, I, that really struck me. It said, all people have a right to wellness and an empowered connection to their health. And I did want to pick your brain about that. Like, what, how, how do you understand that? I'm going to read that again. All people have a right to wellness and empowered connection to their health. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? What does that mean? There's like a lot. In There's that. a lot in there. Mm-hmm. There's like. There's several aspects. There's the sort of all people aspect. There's the wellness. What is wellness and what is empowered connection to one's health? Um, and, you know, we hear a lot about healthcare in this country and the debate about the debate about healthcare and healthcare being a right. And that is usually around doctors and medications and, and, um, access to hospitals, which is all really, really important. But um, we feel like wellness is a little bit different and wellness can look different for people in, you know, for individuals or for a different culture. And it could include access to fresh air, a safe place to live, um, culturally appropriate food. You know, it's, it's what is ever around you that supports, supports your health and vitality. And, and like what Peter mentioned that it was, 
a space of not just not anxiety, but joy. Mm. Yeah. That's health. You right. know, mm. when you get that sparkle back in your eye mm-hmm. and you, your skin looks fresh, that's, that's real. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's when you feel that lifeblood coursing through you. Yeah. And so that's, that's how we think about wellness. And I think included in that is the empowered connection to one's health concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times what we find when, when people come into the clinic at first is a lot of discouragement about, about their health. Um, some people have really long lists of medications, um, <laughs> Peter smiled <laughs> like he knew what you were talking about. But they still don't feel very good. Yeah. I mean, we we don't there's nothing we have against working working alongside. We're very in support of whatever a person feels like they want to do and whatever f- the person feels like is is healthy for them. So we're not definitely not opposed to working with and around medications, but um like a lot of times people don't feel well despite all of those. And, um, so, um, we, we're just, we're interested. Yeah. People might not even understand why they feel bad. They might feel discouraged by relationships with practitioners that they've had or doctors that they've had in the past. And like a lot of times people feel like they don't have a lot of agency when they come in and we really, part of what we really want to do is number one, be like, really good at listening and really meeting a client where they are. And, um, and we, we work really hard to not perpetuate like abuse of power or power over clients. And I think that can pop up a lot in healthcare relationships and how, you know, someone's an expert and just really takes agency away from people um, how, yeah. how would, um, so how do you, if somebody feels like they're the expert and they're telling you, you know, you do this for this and this for your health, how, how do you guys consciously not do that? Right. Like what, how do, what's that mm-hmm. process like as yeah. a whole? Cause you're, you guys have 12 practitioners mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So that, that, that's a lot of different people to be mm-hmm. on the same wavelength with that. Yeah. I'm not going to say we're perfect at this. There's probably been times that we've been condescending. We're um, all human. <laughs> we are all human. But um, but we, we're we developing right now um, a practitioner code of ethics that really mm. reminds people, reminds the practitioners that implicit, implicit in a care relationship, you do have a vulnerability of the client is in a more vulnerable position because the practitioner has the expertise quote expertise in the situation there the client is coming in to ask for help and so we really acknowledge that power relationship and we work to create a like a, a, a safe container of accountability um and respect and and knowing how hard it might be mm-hmm. for some people to ask it's like mm-hmm. making sure that 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 first step is is open yeah yeah and we want and and we work on being trauma-informed which means that um, boundaries are good and that the person who's coming in at all times has agency over the choices or say, for example, what kind of touch they are getting or, you know, if, if like when I work with clients, I, I've, I've even had alternative healthcare practitioners be like sort of mysterious about what they're doing to me or, you know, people making Chinese formulas and it, they just pass it to me in like, you know, a bag and they don't even tell me what it is. And I feel like people deserve to have, you know, be, have the respect of like understanding where the practitioner is coming from, what they're thinking, and then, and then talking to the, talking to the client about whether they feel like intuitively they feel like the practitioner has gotten them and it's on the right track and they they feel like does that sound like I always say the the clients like does that sound right does that sound good you know and so it's just constantly um the idea is to constantly be transparent and giving the power back to back to the client so that they they are making the choices. Hmm. Peter, did you, as a, as a client going through the People's Medicine Project, did you, hearing Leslie kind of talk about that conscious aspect of 
creating that space did you as a as a client coming in did you were you aware of that of, of the actual physical space that no, the clinic's in or? not about the physical space but about that um that <clears throat> deliberate welcomeness about that idea of where you're coming from did you feel oh, like people were really trying to get you to understand what their process was and make sure that it was a collaboration did you did you feel that at the time I felt like they let me have my process uh, you know without knowing what it was like that you know I mean it's a listening safe space I mean there's you know it's like when when the clinic comes in the doors around noonish on on Monday into the recover project like you can just feel like the, the, the you know the calm come over the storm because mm-hmm. it's you know there's a personalities in recovery and and in the space and, and yeah no I you know it's funny I was thinking about the word condescending and you know with you know cons- seat is that condescending so knowledge you know knowledge can be kind you know i can i could someone who's knowledgeable i could see is conceited but uh, you know if you're open they're not it's not if that makes any sense i don't know same same um, route um so you know they come you know you tell them what what's going on with you and they say okay let's let's meet in 30 days and we'll talk about it and you know i think you know as an addict i want like now you know what do you mean i'm leaving here without the solution you know and um but you know that but it's just i didn't have that feeling i just i felt safe and um and i feel like they're knowledgeable and i feel like they care you know and i think that that you know and it, it, and in along the aspects there's a lot of you know I, the the hardest thing for me was to go into a room where other people were being treated. And I was like, ew, you know, community, you know. But, um, <laughs> like, you know, I snore when I have acupuncture, like, you know, self-conscious. And, um, but no one cared, you know. And, and, um, and you know, now with com- community acupuncture, community uh, um, chiropractic and, and everything, it's, it's kind of, it's that connection. It's that opposite of the addiction, you know, that connection thing that I was talking about. It's, it's yeah. very cool. It's a very... It's what, a very warm and welcoming. What practice, is um? If that makes sense. It does make sense. What's your favorite service that you're currently receiving? So, so I think that I asked for too much tea. So now I make my own Ooh, okay. with their help. Uh, no, I you know just I I I I'm, I'm I haven't had the I'm having a massage actually I haven't had and I hear she's amazing the woman that gives those um, who's the massage practitioner? Devin Whitney. Okay. Yeah. Nice. She's amazing. So I, you know, I don't, I kind of, I'm stuck with my, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, committed to my uh, restorative tea, as I call it. And yeah. um, I have done acupuncture elsewhere and I'm so grateful for it. And, you know, I ventured out to uh, a community um, chiropractor in Greenfield and find him extremely uh, wonderful. And Fabulous. I just, so, you know, and I've connected with, you know, another place called uh, the Blue, what is it, Blue? Blue Dragon. Blue Dragon. And I go, um, so I I kind of, it's like a whole new world to me. It's kind of like, you know, it's, um, I'm taking a class on, you know, how to go to school at 59. And I'm like, I want to be an herbalist like Leslie. Yeah. (laughs) And I kind of do. It's, and I don't know if I want her disposition or her, her knowledge of, of, uh, of herbs, but it's, you know, it's just kind of, for me, it's opened up a whole new, you know, and I've been connected. I had gardens as a kid and all that stuff, but I didn't know, you know, anything. And well, you know, the first step to, being an herbalist is getting in the garden. I know. I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that garden needs volunteers. Me. Yeah, she signed me up. Us. I can see it. I can feel that one coming for the car ride home. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like somebody might be on the volunteer garden crew. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Fabulous. No pressure. And you guys are you guys are located at the Recovery Project now. Recover. The, the Recover Project. Yep. Excuse me. That's right. Um, so how did, how did that relationship, how did you connect with that space there? Mm-hmm. I, t- I talked about the garden, how we started the garden, um, and that we didn't really have a plan other than offering, offering the space for people to come connect with the plants and offering, we wanted to give, really just give away the plants and the herbs and things to people who needed them or wanted them. And we had some free workshops, um, and then that summer, we we decided to just be a presence at some community events and community agencies. And so, like, I think we went to Stone Soup Cafe, which is a community meal on Saturday mornings. Um, and we just brought some nourishing teas. Um, we went, yeah, so we went to different agencies. 
or community events and just kind of sat there <laughs> and talked to people. And then um, we went into the Recover Project one day. And it was this is kind of a good story because it kind of illustrates how the Recover Project worked. And I, I went in and I said, well, I have these, you know, I have these medicinal plants. I wondered if anyone would be interested in, you know, learning about how medicinal plants are useful in recovery. And I was talking to some staff members there and the staff members looked at me and said, okay, yes, we'll bring that to our community meeting on Thursday. And for me, um, that was such a, a learning experience that I continue to learn like after four or five years is that the Recover Project and other peer-led organizations of the consortium are so amazing at bringing, they, they truly bring things back to the community and it's community-led project. So I just want to shout out to the Recover Project and the Western Mass Training Consortium for like walking their walk and talking their talk. Um, Very cool. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so I attended their community meeting and I talked about an idea of bringing in some teas and, um, and we started they said a few people said yes they're interested and I just started to bring in teas and in, in the back room just have a little like mini workshops on um, the teas that I thought would be helpful for recovery and um, we made um, milk thistle gomiaso which <laughs> I, don't know uh, what, I don't even know those milk words. thistle <laughs> is is a thistle seed and it was kind of like a condiment that we made to put on popcorn oh is um, it like a like a shake yeah a shaky thing I want some but of that it, yeah it's really good it's we put salt and garlic and seaweed anyway we just did things like that because um, milk thistle is really reparative to the liver so um, we did that for a little while, and then um, a, a colleague and I decided, well, I wonder if we should actually see some clients here. You know, people are sort of asking for it. And so we just started seeing herbal clients to begin with. Um, Doing consultations, mm -hmm. making tinctures or herbal tea blends. Right. So one-on-one -on -one we, saw, we saw those clients, and then, yeah. Do you... Do you stay away from alcohol-based tinctures because of opioid and kind of recovery stuff? Or do you, is it uh, more glycerides or how, do, how does that? Yeah, good question. Mm -hmm. We've been talking about this for a long time and we are really interested in developing, um, developing what we can do without, uh, without alcohol. Um, alcohol is an extremely effective um, menstruum for extracting a lot of a lot of different plant constituents and it's fairly inexpensive well yeah i mean it's not that exp i mean mix mm, eh, eh. little little <laughs> come see but um but sometimes um so okay so we do have glycerate and i feel like we do have some glycerates so, and i feel like glycerin is a good extractor for some things and not others. And so something I've been doing lately and experimenting with is um, a process that Annie Burdett taught me, which is like a boiling off process. So I take the alcohol tincture and I put it in like a double boiler situation and I steam, I steam it just, it's not even simmering. It's just like just steaming very, very slowly. And it, it reduces to about half and then um, I replace that with glycerin. And I, it feels to me like that's, I, I cannot promise that there's not a drop of alcohol in there, but I don't taste it when I try it. And um, it feels to me like it still has the potency of a, of a tincture that you just can't get with glycerin. So that that's a process we've been using, and we definitely tell people we boil off, so there might be like a few drops of alcohol in there, um, but it's way less. Yeah, than a straight. Yeah, like, alcohol-based mm -hmm. sure. Yes, fabulous. Well, tell us a little bit about um, how again people how how people can find you and how they can get involved because I yeah. feel like there's so many opportunities for growth within the People's Medicine Project. So um, so let yes. us know. Tell sure. us. Tell us now. So how they can get in touch with us again is on the website. Um, we have a contact page or you can call 
Um, you can call the clinic at 413-842-4762. Um, we do have a Facebook page, too. And um, so if you want to like us on Facebook, I think we have an Instagram, too. Um, someone else does that. Um, so, like, yeah, I think we have our social media bases covered. Um, and um, we have a couple ways you had asked what are some ways that we need help or things that we need help with right now. Um, I had mentioned the garden crew and garden, yeah, garden volunteers. Um, there's actually an event coming up. Um, I think it's June 22nd or 23rd. It's the queer makers market and that's happens in East Hampton. And, um, we have been awarded the slot of having having the bake sale be the bake sale beneficiary. So we're looking for mm. a coordinator who wants to coordinate the bake sale for us at Queer Makers Market. And get, when is that coming up? I believe it's June twenty second. So the coordinator would probably have to step in within the next couple of months or something, or next month and a half to really get the ball going. Yeah, I would say get in touch with me pretty soon. Um, you know you're, you're listening. Interested. You know it's you. <laughs> Oh, um, Leslie. Yeah, and we're. I think we're going to try to make it like the bake sale be a little bit more healthy than a normal bake sale. And have make some sure you have crust. some good vegan things. Maybe yeah. that that popcorn shake yeah. that you were talking Maybe about. Maybe the uh, the milk thistle yeah. condiment. That sounds great. Um, so we're excited about that. Um, I feel like that would be a fun project for somebody. Or if you just want to bake for that event, um, get in touch. Cool. Um, so that's the we are looking to expand to Hampshire County in the next, I would say the next year, year and a half. And like I said earlier, we're in conversation with the Pioneer Valley Worker Center. Um, I may not have said that, but, um, and we're, we're thinking about expanding and to having actually having another clinic in Hampshire County, potentially through Pioneer Valley Workers. And we are actually going to be looking for more Northampton area and South-based practitioners. Most of our practitioners right now are Franklin County-oriented. So if there are any um, people out there listening who are Hampshire County practitioners and are interested in getting involved when we expand the clinic a little further south, we'd love to talk to you. So there'd be a whole other location. Mm -hmm. Very cool. And then the other thing, I don't know if anybody's interested in entertaining or... Um, they like to have parties, but we have a house party this um, this Saturday by um, a person that just said, "Hey, I want to get I want to get um, my friends together, and I'm gonna bake some food, and you can talk to them about the clinic." And so, if anyone wants to do a house party for us and bring their friends over, that's how we get the word out, and that's how we get more donors. That's mm. so good. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for coming on the show today and talking about your experience. We're just wrapping up now with Energy Matters. So um, thank you again, Le Leslie Chasen and Peter, uh, for coming in and, and sharing your experience and knowledge with um, with wellness and with this work. Mm. And um, I think you're, you guys are doing really great things. And I love that it's growing so organically. And it's just people are need it. People yeah. need it. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It's been fun being on the show. Yay. Absolutely. All right. So have a great weekend, everyone, and be well.